0: Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at cwcbayarea.com for service times and directions. John chapter 8 and verse 36. We got two more sermons in our series, I Declare War. Next week we'll end this series here. But today we're going to talk about declaring war for our freedom. What it means to have freedom in Christ. How many of you know that Jesus didn't intend for the Christians, Christ's followers, to be enslaved by anything. He didn't intend for us to be enslaved to sickness, to to uh, you know, to poverty. He didn't call us to be enslaved to anything. He called us to be free. And in John chapter eight verse thirty-six, he declares this this morning. He says, "Therefore." If the Son makes you free, go ahead and read it. If the Son makes you free, what? You shall be free indeed. If the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, today we declare, Father, that God, from this moment on, no longer, Father, will we be enslaved to anything, no longer will we find ourselves defeated. But Lord, from this moment on, God, we are declaring war for our freedom. So, Lord, let your word go forth in strength and in power. And as a result of hearing it, let us never, ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. You may be seated this morning. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, Jesus didn't say that you might be free or that it's a possibility. He says, If the Son Makes you free, you shall be free indeed. If the sun makes you free, you shall be free indeed. This morning we're going to declare war for our freedom. Why do we declare war for our freedom? Simply because of this reason is because there's too many Christians that are living a lie right now, according to what the enemy has said, and they're listening more to him than they are to what Christ has said. He says, "If I've set you free." You are free indeed. You see, freedom is not something you have to fight to get. Hear me, too many of us are trying to fight for something that Jesus already bought on the cross. We're trying to fight for something that Jesus already paid for on the cross. Freedom is not something you have to fight to get. Freedom is something, though, you have to fight to get back. It's yours. But somewhere along the way, we found ourselves surrendering it. Somewhere along the way, we've given possession of it over to the enemy. Somewhere along the way, we've lost ownership of it. It's not something that we have to fight for. You don't have to work for it. Why? Because it's already been worked and paid for. But it is something that you do have to fight to get back. Why? Because our freedom has already been purchased by Jesus from the cross. He purchased it on the cross, not in hopes that maybe you would get it, but knowing that it's yours and all you have to do is get it back now. You don't have to fight for it. Isn't that good news this morning? You don't have to work hard to get freedom. You just have to go and get it back. It's kind of like the old song. I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. Why? Because it was mine all along. It's kind of like going to someone's house and they have something that's yours. It belongs to you, so grab it and take it back. Why? Because it's yours and it's been yours all along. Why? Because Jesus purchased it on the cross of Calvary. You see, the check's already been cleared and written. It's been cash, and all you have to do is now withdraw from the account. You are rich in the heavenlies. You just have to withdraw from the account this morning. See, freedom is yours. It's just being held hostage by the enemy. Freedom is yours. It's just being held hostage by the enemy. See, the enemy can't take your freedom. You have to surrender it. He can't take your freedom. You have to willingly give it up. He can't just come in and steal your freedom. He can't just come in and steal your joy. He will come in and, 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 and give opportunities to lose your joy. He will come in and present opportunities for you to fall into sin. He'll come in and present opportunities for you to lose your freedom. All He does is present them and the moment that you entertain them, the moment that you begin to say, well, maybe this is just the way it's supposed to be, is the moment that we come into agreement with that word and when we come into agreement with anything, it becomes who we are. Because the enemy can't take your freedom, you have to surrender it. How do you surrender your freedom? You surrender it by giving up your fight. Some of you have lost your fight. You've lost your drive in life to go after what you know is yours. Some of you haven't had peace in your life in a long time and you've given up your fight and just settled for what you've got in life. This, if this is just the way it's gonna be, then I have to make the best of what I've got. No, that is not what Jesus said. He says, he who the sun sets free, is free indeed. He didn't say that it might happen and it's a possibility. He says if he did it, then it's a guarantee that it'll take place. You surrender your freedom by giving up your fight. Too many of us have given up up our fight and we've become slaves to the enemy because you've become intimidated. You've lost the will to fight. You've had the air knocked out of you. Paul says, I've been knocked down, but I'm not knocked out. I'm pressed, but I'm not crushed. See, Paul says, I've been through some stuff, but it hasn't destroyed me. And like us this morning, we've been through some stuff, but give yourself a round of applause. You are still here this morning, still going after God. Why? Because what the enemy meant to take you out, God says it's not going to take you out. And if you would just learn to live through it and learn to, to, to thrive through it, you will come out a lot better than when you went in. I know there were disappointing moments in life. I know there are things you would look at and say, I hope I never have to go through that again. But if you didn't seek God and learn who God is a little more in those moments, you've missed the opportunity. Don't just succumb to what you have faced in life. Thrive through it. Gain life through it. Gain momentum through it. See, we no longer fight for peace. In our life, because we've had a lifetime of chaos. When Jesus says we can have peace, we dismiss it as if it's for somebody else. But that word is for you. We've surrendered and no longer fight for our health and our body, so we've just succumbed to saying, you know what, I'll always be on this medication my whole life. I'll always have this disease my whole life. This is what's going to kill me and take me out in life. I refuse to believe that this morning, but I need you to grab a hold of that. Why? Because if Jesus says that you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, it wasn't a promise of of just maybe. It was was a, a word spoken that this is how it's going to be. But you have to fight to get it back. Just because the fight seems impossible to win, don't give up your fight. I don't care how big of an impossibility stands in front of you this morning. I don't care how great your Goliaths are in life and how many mountains are in front of you. I don't care if the Egyptian army is way behind you and you got a a big body of water in front of you. God will make a way. He will take impossibilities and he will make it possible. Why? Because he's God and that's just what he does. Come on, would you give him praise this morning? He's God, and that's just what he does. Just because your fight seems impossible to win, don't give up never surrender don't quit fighting I know the Giants in your land are huge I know the obstacles that you are against are greater than you I know the sickness seems like it'll never end I know that the 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 the, the hurt seems like it'll never go away or the effects of this the effects of that will never leave you but continue to fight wake up every day with the fight in your life why because there's coming the day where joy is going to come in and take the place of depression there's coming a day where health's going to come in and take the place of sickness, but you got to fight until that moment arrives. Just because the fight seems impossible to win, don't give up your fight. Look at 2 Kings 6.16. It says, so he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Come on, do not fear for those that are with us are more than those that are with them. I love oh, another scripture says, greater is he who's with inside of me than he who's with inside of the world. Why? You already got the winning side. You already have the edge on this thing. You win. If you read at the end of it, we win. So stop living life like a loser. Stop living life like someone who's defeated. Live life as a victor this morning. Someone who has victory. Do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. The fight might be hard, but the reward is worth it. The fight might be hard, but the reward is worth it. You might have to battle night and day for months for years to come night and day for months and years to come to see your child get off of drugs or to be to see addiction being taken out of your family but the battle might be hard and tough but the reward is worthy you might have to battle night and day you might have to stand before God and say I don't understand but I trust you but the the the, the fight might be hard but the but the victory is worth it the reward is worth it you might have to battle night and day for your health for your marriage, for your children, for financial situations. You might have to battle. Listen, do not be afraid to fight. Don't be afraid to fight because the reward is definitely worth it. When you're holding in your hands what you fought for all along, at that moment, then you could say it's worth it. Don't you give up because it got hard. Don't you quit because it seemed impossible. Why? Because you are not the author and the finisher. You don't see the beginning from the end, but he already does. And I guarantee that it's in your favor. But you got to fight. You got to fight for what belongs to you. It might be hard, but the reward is worth it. You see, even when the odds seem against you, fight for your freedom. Look at Judges chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. We encounter a young man by the name of Gideon. If you know anything about Gideon's life, you understand one thing about Gideon, that Gideon was of the smallest tribe, and of the smallest tribe, he was the least. It didn't get any lower than Gideon. Gideon was the bottom of the bottom. But not only was he the bottom of the bottom, Gideon was a fearful young man. We find this fearful young man in the beginning of a story. We find this fearful young man at a place where he's threshing wheat. He's gaining food and he's hiding from the enemy. He's in a wine press, so he's hiding. Why? Because he's fearful that the enemy is going to come in and take his food that he's worked so hard for. And this is a young man who the angel of the Lord shows up and calls him a mighty man of valor. You see, God sees things in you and I that we don't see in ourselves at the moment. God calls things forth from you and our lives that we aren't living like in the moment. So he sees the prostitute on the street and he calls her a beautiful daughter of the king, but she's not living up to that right now, but that's who he sees her as. He sees someone who's broken spirit right now and he calls you a mighty man or mighty woman of valor. You might not be living up to it right now, but that's how he sees you. Just because you don't produce it right now doesn't mean that he can't work it out in your life. So he calls Gideon a mighty man of valor. He tells Gideon of all that he's going to do. And like many of us, we got a great word for our life. We read the the word and we know that in the end we win, but we still live life defeated in this lifetime. So Gideon finds himself where he's questioning the call of God on his life. And he puts out and he says, okay, this is what I want proof and evidence of. He says, I want the fleece that I lay out before you. He says, I want this fleece to be dry and all the ground around it wet in the morning. And so God does it. He says, okay, now I want the fleece to be wet and the ground all around it dry. And God does it. Every single thing, obstacle, every single thing that Gideon tried to do to get dismissed from this calling on his life, God already took care of all of that. So now Gideon finds himself where now he's answered his call. And this is where we pick it up. Judges chapter 7 and 1 and 2 says, Then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him, 32,000 men, keep that number in mind, who were, all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Mora in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Least Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Gideon has 32,000 men. Now, I don't know about you, but going into battle, I would think that the more, the merrier. I need all the people that I possibly could get. If I'm going into a fight, I need all the friends that I can have to have my back. Why? Because I don't want to be outnumbered in this fight. But what we don't know is that Gideon was already outnumbered with only 32,000 men on his side. But God tells him something that seems like it's, it's a losing strategy. God tells him to do this. He says, Gideon, you've got too many people. What do you mean, God? I think you misquoted. I don't have, you know, too many people. I don't have enough people. Can you send me a little more? And the Lord says, no, Gideon, you have too many people. Why? Because, Gideon, I want you to understand this. I'm going to win the battle for you. And if you have all these people, they might say that they accomplished it by themselves. So he tells Gideon, let the people know that if they're fearful, whoever's fearful could go home. And in that moment, the Bible says 22,000 soldiers leave. Now, I'm not very good at math, but 22,000, take away 32,000, is going to give you 10,000 soldiers. You're already outnumbered. You already find yourself outnumbered, but now you are really outnumbered. And some of you have been brought to that place where God has told you to do some things, and it seemed like, God, this is not going to work. This is not going to take place. But nonetheless, Gideon finds himself obedient, so he does that. And the Lord tells him again, Gideon, 10,000 men is still too many. These guys are going to go back home, and they're going to think that they accomplished this on their own. So he says, I want you to take them down to the riverside. And he says, whoever puts their face in the water and just drinks like a dog, he says, I need them to go home. He says, but whatever man is standing watch, kneels down and takes the water and brings it to his mouth, that's the men that you keep. The Bible says that Gideon is brought down to 300 men, 300 soldiers to go into battle. 300 soldiers to go into battle. You were already outnumbered with 32,000, and now you're really outnumbered with only 300 soldiers in place. But I love what Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says this. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. God, I don't know what you're doing, but it seems like we're going backwards in this thing. I don't seem like we're progressing in this thing. I, I, I feel like you're losing your mind and you're causing me to lose mine as well. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, right when you question God, God just comes back with something to put you right back in check. He says, listen, I don't care what you think. He says, I'm God. My ways are not your ways. When God puts you in impossible situations, because God's about to do something that'll blow your mind. When God puts you in impossible situations, God's about to do something that is about to blow your mind. When he calls you to give your last few dollars and you say, Lord, how am I going to eat? It's because he's about to bless you with more than you had in your pocket at that moment. When God asks you to do something crazy, it's because he's about to do something crazy on your behalf. Could you give him praise this morning? Puts so getting in an impossible situation? to face a great army, what seems like a losing battle. You see, God could do more in one obedient moment than you could ever do in a lifetime. God could do more in one obedient moment. Gideon, trust God. He trusts him to say, okay, I'll bring my army down from 32,000. I'll bring it all the way down to 300 men. If that's what you're asking me to do, I will be obedient to it. I don't know why. I don't understand, and maybe I don't even trust at the moment, but you said it, so therefore, I will be obedient to it. Have you ever had that kind of thing with God where you say, Lord, I don't know why you're asking me to do this. I don't even think I should do it, but because you said it, I'm just going to be obedient, and aren't you thankful that you were obedient because you saw the blessing come through time and time and time again where he says if you want to get then give lord i don't want to give what i don't have so I, why don't you give me so i have more of what i have no i can't give you anything new until you've let go of the old because god could do more in one obedience moment than you could ever do in a lifetime The Bible says with 300 soldiers and the odds against him, Gideon gives the battle plans and the weapons of warfare. This story has always dumbfounded me. Because if I'm going into battle, I choose the best of the best weapons. I want to make sure that I am equipped and I want to make sure that my army is equipped. But God doesn't roll like that. You see, what Gideon does is he takes and he breaks the army up into three teams of 100 soldiers. And he hands them torches, trumpets, and clay jars. All right, Gideon, we're ready to battle. I know we're outnumbered, but we got your back, man. We got your back. So where are the weapons at? They're right there in the corner. Get in. All I see is some torches for when it gets dark. I see some clay pots for if we need to plant some food and some trumpets if we want to play some music afterwards. No, those are our weapons of warfare. What are you talking about? Those are our weapons of warfare. With their torches, their trumpets, and their clay jars, they go to the enemy's camp. And look at here in Judges 7 19 and 22. This is what God does because he could do more in one obedient moment than we could ever do in a lifetime. It says, so Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posted the watch, and they blew the trumpets. They're now alarming the enemy that we are here. They blew their trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew their trumpets and broke the pitchers that they, they held, uh, the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hand and the trumpets in their right hand for blowing. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp. And the whole army ran and cried out and fled. When the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. And the army fled to Beth Achaia towards the uh, Zirah as far as the border of Abel uh, Mehola by Tabath. so what happened was this the army is resting and all of a sudden that night Gideon shows up and he breaks his 300 men into posts of 100 men each and they surround this camp and they have torches they have trumpets and clay jars and they blow the trumpets They break the clay jars and they hold up the torches and they say, the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. The army does not know that they only have 300 men. They think that they're surrounded. But not only that, the Bible says that each man in the army began to turn on his companion. They start killing each other. Isn't it funny that when you trust God in obedience that he causes the enemy to defeat himself, that you don't even have to fight this thing, but you just have to be obedient? Got to be obedient this morning. And what doesn't make sense, you just got to trust God that He's got all things worked out. Because Gideon's obedience, not his bravery, won the battle. Gideon's obedience. Why? Because we're still dealing with a fearful man who doesn't see much in himself but his obedience to trust God. I said this morning, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, that your impossible situation has to go. Gideon's obedience, not his bravery, his obedience to God. And your obedience this morning to the Lord is what's going to win the battle. But you have to be able to fight And impossible situations, and believe that your children will still be free. Believe that peace will still come to your household. Believe that health will still come to your body. That wealth will still come your way. Believe that God is still able to do the impossible in your life. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that he's God? You see, sometimes we gotta put things into perspective and understand that he's God and you're not, and his ways are not your ways and his thoughts not your thoughts. Gideon's obedience, not his bravery, won the battle. If you would just trust the Lord today, he will cause the enemy to defeat himself on your behalf. Cause the enemy to defeat himself on your behalf. God's not looking for things that make sense he's looking for the obedience of your heart this morning will you trust him will you trust that with trumpets torches and jars that you can defeat an enemy and not even have to fight up against them? will you trust this morning that if he's asking you to do the most crazy of things that God's doing something even crazier on your behalf Will you trust him this morning? Because God could do more in one moment of obedience than you could ever do in a lifetime. Will you trust him this morning? Will you fight for what seems so far away? Will you fight for your health? Will you fight that you don't have to take medication for the rest of your life? Will you fight that your marriage isn't going to be bad the rest of your life? Will you fight for that your children won't have to find themselves addicted for the rest of their life, but that there will be peace in their life? Will you fight for freedom that seems impossible to get on your own and trust that if God before you, who could be against you? That there's more for you than there are against you. Would you trust him this morning that he who the sun sets free is free indeed? Would you trust him this morning? That how things are right now aren't going to be the way things are going to be for the rest of your life. Will you trust Him this morning that although you might be suffering from sickness right now, you might have pain in your body? Will you trust Him this morning that the story might have started like that, but it's sure not going to end like that? God could do more in one moment of obedience, one moment of trust, he could ever do and you could ever do in a lifetime on your own but you got to trust him i'm asking to bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning thank you for downloading this message for more information on our church visit us at cwcbayarea.com you can also follow us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash cwc bay area